conversation that was so good you wish it had been recorded? Think those conversations would be great to be able to share? Wondering if there's support or research for the recommendations your smart girlfriends give about mental, spiritual, and physical health? This podcast was born to answer those kinds of questions. Hello, I'm Sherry Coleman-Collins, registered dietitian nutritionist, and here with me in the studio is my good girlfriend, Dee Wilson. We are so excited to have you joining us for this edition of the Southern Fried Girlfriends podcast. Dee, how are you today? I'm doing awesome, Sherry. How are you? I am so good. We had a big old rainstorm this morning. Did oh, you it hear was it? Glory. <laughs> do you love thunderstorms? I do. Well, at first, I just heard thunder and yeah. there was no rain. And I was like, okay, is Jesus coming? What is going on? Because it was <laughs> such a weird sound. But then the rain started and it was like that, like oh. just heavy enough to hear. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was glorious. Yeah. I thought about my chickens, you know, because we've got chickens in the back of the in the backyard, <laughs> and the chickens have a tin roof. And I thought, oh, you know, what what what, what it's like in the chicken coop today? <laughs> like, Did you go lay out there? No, no, I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I did think about the chickens though, and then I went and checked on them, and they were fine. Muddy feet. <laughs> Do chickens like to get wet? Mm, I don't know. I never asked them. <laughs> Google that. <laughs> I don't think they can swim, so fortunately, oh it wasn't God. a flood. <laughs> Well, Dee, I am so excited to welcome today's guest and to talk about today's topic and hear her story because she is so special to me and um, her story is so good. And now you've had a little bit of a minute to chat with her and get to know her and I can't wait to introduce her to our audience. So Jennifer and I have been friends for about 10 years and I've seen her walk through some incredible challenges with grace, hope, and faith. And so here's a little bit about Jennifer according to herself. She's a self-described extrovert and I would definitely definitely say that that is undeniably true. She's a two on the Enneagram scale, so we're going to have to ask her about that. Let her tell us what that means. I'm going to have to do that. I know, oh, right? Yes. So I did it and I can't remember. I think I'm a, I think I'm a three. I think I'm a three. Yeah, that sounds right. Or a four, but I think I'm a three. <laughs> so she, she's a lover of people, and I think that is definitely true. She's wife to Jimmy, mom to Emery and James, born and raised and still living in Marietta, my little hometown too, woot woot. <laughs> she, um, she believed as a child that she was going to be an astronaut. How fun is that? And you can tell us about that. <laughs> and she loves all things Southern and happiness when her home is filled with, is happiest when her home is filled with folks. And I think that that's definitely true because I see um, Jennifer as like the consummate hostess, always entertaining, always connecting with people. And um, in light of her story, I think that that is especially beautiful. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, we're excited you're here. So glad you're here. Yeah. I was telling Dee some of the um, funny connections, like um, our, our lives, your life and my life have been this really strange, like parallel universes. Yes. That it was just kind of gone along side by side, right? Very much so. So we met like 10 years ago. Right. Right. After we both experienced terrible divorces. Yes. Yeah. At a, right about the same time. Suck City, so, yeah. right? Exactly. Dark, <laughs> were you guys dark in divorce days. Care, care together? Or? We were not. No. We were not in divorce care together, but we both went through divorce care. And then we both ended up at a church downtown in Atlanta called Buckhead Church. Right. And um, we met through the singles ministry there. Both really looking to make girlfriends and connect with other people, not dating. I don't think either one of us were dating. (laughs) And it was really funny because we met and it was like immediately, oh, like this is somebody who's in my same place. You know, you meet somebody and you're just like, oh, wow, this is like immediately a girlfriend. You know? Right, right. 
Yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. And then we both ended up like through God's redemption in our lives and repairing the damages that have been done and just kind of, we both got married on the same day. Are you serious? Same yeah. day, same year. Same day, same year. Yeah, two different guys. Same <laughs> oh sister wife situation. No, 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 no. <laughs> but if I was going to have a sister wife, it would be Sherry. Oh, girl, she that can, is so She sweet. cooks, she cleans, she does it all. <laughs> I don't know about clean. <laughs> I hire somebody for that. <laughs> but I definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm a handy dandy kind of girl to have around so we'll be friends instead that's of good wives. that works <laughs> and now we live like five minutes away from each other so it's so fun to like continue thank god for facebook because we're both super busy so we don't have a lot of time to get together but i still see her life happening and just the beauty of it and so i was really excited when she agreed to join us um and sort of tell her story because a long time ago, um, we got together for coffee, like years ago, right? And in that in that meeting, I said, you got to write your story. Like, right. you got to write your story. And now she's sort of on the path to doing that. So so tell us about some of your journey. Um, start wherever you want to. I mean, whatever, wherever you want to, you start and tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, I grew up in a happy house. Um parents were taking us to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. It was great. I always tell people I had a very charmed childhood. High school was easy. Um, wasn't perfect, but things were easy. College was, was fun. It was great. Um, Where'd you go to school? I went to Georgia Southern. I went to Harrison High School okay. and then I went to Georgia Southern. Um, I married my high school sweetheart after college and six, you guys were dating all through college, all through high school and all through, co- well, most of high school and all through college. Okay. And then we were married about five years, and that came to a screeching halt. Um, went through a divorce, a heartbreaking divorce. I literally did not feel I would live through that pain. Mm-hmm. I thought, I'm not going to make this. I'm not going to physically live through this. But I did. God was good. Um, and then single years when I met Sherry. And then uh, three years after my divorce, uh, probably two years after I met Sherry, we were going to church downtown. I met my current husband, Jimmy. Mm. We've been married eight years. How about that? Yes, yeah, exactly. Did. You and I both just celebrated an anniversary. That's right. We did. So did you go to the singles ministry at the same time that you started going to Beckhead Church or how did that happen? Yes, I had some friends going to Beckhead Church at that time and they were saying, you got to go with us. This would be right up your alley. And we were, um, they were still doing certain ministries there on Wednesday night that we'd go to. And there was a summer book series we did. And that's how I fell in place there. Yeah. The thing about that church in particular that attracted, well, I ended up there because of divorce care. And we talked about divorce care. And we have a whole show on divorce. So if you're just tuning into us for the first time, um, look back at one of our previous episodes and you can hear about divorce care and sort of our journeys through divorce. And um, I know that you did divorce care too with the person who was our guest. Yes. Crazy connection. Yes. Parallel universe, I'm telling you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're living the same life. Just you're over there and I'm over here. So, um, so yeah. So the thing about Buckhead was I was sent there to go to divorce care and then realize that it's all these uh, single adults. Like, you know, for me, I was plugged into a church out here in the burbs where I was. Mm-hmm. and But there was nobody who was my age who was single. Almost no one. Everyone else was either married and happy with kids or they looked happy with <laughs> kids or older. And the single, you know, the, the women's, the single women's group was like 65 and older, which is there's nothing wrong with that. But I wasn't 65 and older. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like the widow's group. Yes, that was it. 
So was that your experience? Too? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That I always feel that Buckhead Church has definitely got that for them. They have definitely got the singles ministry thing down. Yeah. Because I've never seen such a huge group. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's changed a lot since we were there, but I think that it's still um, very much that ho- that's part of the draw is that it's a place where as a single adult, you can connect with other single adults who, you know, don't necessarily want to be in a bar finding somebody or meeting somebody or getting connected. They want to meet people who are really, you know, looking for something deeper. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Cool. So divorce sucks. And yes. <laughs> we're not going to spend a whole lot of time about, you know, talking about that because we did a whole show on that. But just from your perspective, what was what were some of the things that really helped you get through that time? Because you said you felt like you might not make it through it. And I felt mm-hmm. the same way. Um, well, divorce care for sure. Um, and I was telling Dee earlier, that's a hard phone call to make or a hard decision to make. Not all the churches that, you know, offer it. So I found one locally that did, and that was a hard place to walk into, but that was such healing, yeah, such healing. Um, and that, I am a firm believer in a community of girlfriends. I feel like th- you've got to have your village, um, no matter where you are in your walk of life. That was hugely helpful. I have a wonderful supportive family that they really carried me through yeah. those dark days. And I love to read, so... I'm a self-help book kind of girl, so I think I read them all. Uh, so if there are any specific books you would recommend, let me know, and I'll put them in the show notes so okay. that people can check those out. Will do. That's awesome. so true about you know your tribe or your village. None of us is able to be successful on our own. We mm-hmm. all need support for someone, from someone else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that's amazing. Well, in talking to some women that you know have gone, have walked the path of divorce after I had, we quickly learned that um, women that don't quite have a village yet or haven't established one, it was a much harder road for them mm-hmm. to walk. I mean, that it seems like common sense, but I had one girlfriend tell me I had no idea how much I would need friends through this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she said, I hadn't fostered those relationships. Yeah. I kind of let them go. And then when it hit the fan, she just she was a little lost. Yeah. So I'm a big believer in your girlfriends. Me too. You know, I don't know if I ever, I don't know if I said this in my, in our show about girlfriends, cause we did a show about that too. <laughs> so in that show or, or in, in my life, there was a time when I was in my first marriage and I was really unhappy and I felt really isolated and I began to pray that God would give me girlfriends in my life. Like, give me friends to be part of my life and walk with me and help me. And he did, but it took a lot of effort and mm-hmm. it definitely took, for me, it's not so easy. It's not super easy to make friends and then maintain those friends. Like it's easy for me to connect with people, but sometimes it's hard to keep those connections going. Right. And our lives are super busy and now we have kids and it's yes. just like, it's hard, but it's so important. Yes. Yeah. It, it is definitely harder now. Mm-hmm. Every, everybody's busy. Yeah. Um, but I, it's just so important. And mm-hmm. that part of that is me being a two, like the two on the Enneagram. Okay. Still. So tell us about that. Tell us about number. What's two? Uh, loves people. Okay. Loves to be the hostess. And I love to have things in my house. I yeah. mean, I love to have uh, any excuse for a party. I cannot even begin to tell you the crazy parties I've <laughs> it's had. It's Tuesday. Party! Yes, exactly. <laughs> and my single days, that's actually kind of how I met my husband. But um, yes, any excuse to have a party. Uh, it's Tuesday. We'll have a party. Um, but a two loves to be the hostess. They want to be loved. Mm. So that's me. Mm. Um, wants to be surrounded by people. That's the two. There's yeah. some unhealthy parts to the two, too. Like what? People pleasing? 
Very much so. People pleaser doesn't want to be a disappointment to anyone in any shape, you know, whether it's work or school or anyway. And they say it's across the board. Yeah. Do you have a hard time saying no to people? Huge. Hard. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Working on that. Uh, We're all a work in progress. That's right. Absolutely. So you talked about um, how you met Jimmy. And we, of course, we celebrate the anniversary together. So I, so you ended up marrying him. What was it like? What would you say were sort of the keys for you in um, making the transition to, you know, having that heartbreak and disappointment and, you know, all that happened with the divorce and then being open? How did you open yourself up to being in love again, of falling in love? And what would you say was the... That was super scary yeah. for both of us. He'd been married before as well. I didn't know that. Yep. He was married about a year. Um, he had been divorced for about five years when we met. Um, and that was a huge discussion for us. I remember being in my house and in the back den and we were talking, okay, if we're, we were friends first. If we're going to take this past friends, how are we going to do this? I mean, we were... I, I I can vividly see it in my head. We were two scared people, mm-hmm. two wounded people mm-hmm. trying to just put one foot in front of the other. And it was scary, but yeah. we talked a lot. I'm a talker. That's a two as well. He is not. He's a nine. He's the peacemaker. <laughs> we work well together. But um, he said, you know, we, this was what he wanted and we were both going to just have to let the walls down a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's amazing that that was like, a conversation like you sat down and said hey we want to take our relationship in another direction we want to be more than friends um how are we as scared and wounded people going to make this work jesus and grace <laughs> um it was again very scary but somehow we made it and you guys have been married for how long now eight years, eight years. one thing that we still tell people we we are still big talkers, again, mainly me, that we were both extremely open and still to this day about our past marriages, extremely mm. open. There's nothing off topic there. We've talked about experiences we had with um, our ex-spouses, trips we took. I mean, it was just part of our lives or mm-hmm. how we felt at certain times. And so we are big believers in that. Not everybody is. You mm-hmm. know, everybody's like, I want to keep my past in the past, but we both know a lot about our past marriages. Why do you think that that's helpful? I don't know why it's helpful. It's, it just makes it more open, safe, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, it's not that it's all bad. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it is bad things. Well, I hate to go back there because it reminds me of this, but Mm. we, it's just been super helpful to us. Mm -hmm. So you feel closer and connected because I do. And I think it also helps me understand, uh, you know, certain things that make him feel loved and needed. I mean, those are basic conversations you can have with any spouse, but to know where, some of the damage and some of the wounds are in my insecurities and his insecurities. So that has been greatly helpful. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. So you said, you know, that you're a two and he's a nine Yes. and he's not a talker and you are, how do you navigate that? Like, how do you, how do you get him to open up and talk or did you guys do therapy? Did you have like therapy? We together? have had counseling together. Uh-huh. We're also big, big believers in counseling. We are so too. <laughs> we've, had, we've had marriage counseling. We had premarital counseling and then we've had counseling, counseling this year. Uh-huh. So it's been great. I've, yeah. I've always heard like, don't wait until your marriage is on life support to go to a counselor. Yeah. Like, it should kind of be a maintenance. So we're not ashamed of that. We're, yeah. we're big um, proponents to that. How do I get him to talk? Heavens. That's hard. Um, 
He's just, it's just gotten easier over the years. Yeah. He's a great listener. Um, he's very honest. Mm-hmm. I do love that about him, mm-hmm. but it, it just works. There are things that you can books you can read on twos and nines and how there can be problems there because you don't open up, but we're getting there day by day. That's awesome. And I think, you know, one of the things I think what I hear you saying is just is like practice. Like I just said, you know, it's just the more you do something, the easier it gets. Yes. The less you do it, the harder it is to start. Mm -hmm. Right. So you guys started your relationship with conversations that were deeper, harder conversations to have. And then you just continued to do that, it sounds like. Yes. Yeah. We walked a lot of those days, those first days with conversations of how are we going to do this? And what about past hurts? And what about friendships? And what about our families? Yeah. And you said you had premarital counseling. I'm also a huge fan of that. We did did that too. And um, that was, I think, really helpful. We actually used a book called Boy Meets Girl. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things we did together. It's a book about when two people who are both believers come together, you know, how do they navigate their relationship conversations you should have, you know, specific questions to have together. And we found that really, really helpful. Did you guys use a curriculum or anything like that? I believe we used. It's been a while. (laughs) Yes, it has been over, you know, eight years now. Not that that's that super long, but I can't recall. I want to say we might have used How to Affair Proof Your Marriage. Oh, yeah. That was a great resource then. I feel like that's one of the ones we read. We definitely did the love languages. Yeah, I love the love languages. Me too. Uh We did the love languages. And then there was another one and there was like, I can't remember the name of the book, but there was one for men and one for women. And it was like her greatest need or his greatest need. I can't even remember. Oh, is that um, his needs, her needs? Oh, I think something like that. I can like I see know what the you're book. talking about. <laughs> is We're it Stormy just... Martian? Is that the author? I don't know about that one. There's another another pastor who um, has a series about that, and I can't remember what his name is. It's a man. I can't remember what his name is, but if I remember it, I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. And if you remember yours, you, we'll, we'll share. We'll, yeah. sh- we'll do follow-up. It, it was a great book to go through. Yeah. Along yeah. with the love language. There are a lot of really good thing, good books and curriculum, but I think the main thing is like, Number one, not to be alone. You know, don't be alone in preparing for um, marriage, especially a second marriage, don't you think? Absolutely. Because you do come into it with expectations and wounds. And um, I think you're both coming into it with expectations, especially if you've both been divorced. My husband um, had not been divorced, so he didn't come in with that same expectation. But he's he's really funny because he always says that, like, I came in with really low expectations. <laughs> <laughs> made it really easy for him but I don't think that's true I mean I think I think that I had realistic expectations I had different expectations than I did the first time yeah I think that the second marriage you come into it with a bit more realistic expectations yes. I think about when I first got married and I thought oh my gosh we're gonna have sex every day we're <laughs> never gonna fight like it's I had this I don't know Disneyland yeah. version of what a marriage only a little bit more r-rated evidently <laughs> Absolutely. And it was like, you know, six months in, I'm like, this is horrible, you know? And so I think that that when I got married the second time, I was definitely more realistic. Um, I think it's awesome, again, that you guys had those really, really tough conversations in the beginning. Um, That's probably been the hardest part for me and Cheval is 
still practicing having difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, So I like what you said also about how it's a practice. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll pull together some suggestions and, you know, resources for people who are going through that. And I think our divorce care, divorce show is a really good resource for people too. If they're in the midst of divorce or even thinking about remarriage, you know, I think that that show is, for me anyway, that show was really helpful. Even though I never plan to get divorced or married again. This is it. (laughs) So then, so, okay, so you and Jimmy got married. Happy, happy, happy. Wonderful, perfect. Everything seems great. What happens next? Um, We got married in July, and we found out in November we were pregnant. We were so excited. I was a nervous wreck, but we were so excited. And we went to our 12-week appointment. I believe it was in January, and that's when we learned that our firstborn was really sick. Mm. So she had something that's very rare. It's called a cystic hygroma. And it's a part of the lymphatic system. They couldn't quite, the baby's so small at 12 weeks, they couldn't quite tell what had caused it. So we just had a waiting game to see what we were up against. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did they know right away how serious it was? Yes. The ultrasound tech who I actually went to high school with and played sports with, she said, she said that was really hard for her to tell me, but her words were that this baby would not be compatible with life. Yeah. So I hate that term. That's the term they use a lot um, in those situations. Having a clinical background myself, I've heard that a lot. And I just, I've never heard that. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm about to cry. What does that mean? I mean, isn't there a better way than to say it's not compatible with life? She said there's hope. They see miracles every day, which I appreciated Mm. her saying. Um, But I think she had to be really honest what we were up against. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the chances were very slim that this baby would would make it. So um, what did you do at that point? Well, that day we went immediately to a specialist, which I still to this day, now that we've gone through other pregnancies, can't believe we got in so quick. But they took us downtown immediately. And I remember laying on the ultrasound table, and I don't know how I did this or why, but I could not look at the ultrasound because I was just convinced if I don't look, I'm not going to get attached, which is just me being naive. Sure. Or you're trying to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. And we also learned it was a little girl that day. And so they walked us through, you know, you can carry it, carry the baby and see how far you get. You know, we just believed in miracles and we had a lot of hope. We were devastated. The next day I had a wedding shower for my sister-in-law and Jimmy physically had to get me out of the bed. Oh, he mm. physically had to get me out of the bed. I just, I couldn't believe I was about to walk another, you know, dark path. I felt like I'd already gotten through my dark stuff and I didn't need any more. And here we were. Mm-hmm. Did you have that conversation with God? Oh, yes. Every day. Like, why am I here again? One of my really good girlfriends sat down with me and she was crying and she said, I've had, she's a twin. And she said, I've asked my sister, why, like, Lord, give it up with Jennifer, leave her alone. And I re- I'll never forget that conversation because I thought, thank you. Like, yes, I'm, I'm kind of tired too. But she also said in that conversation that he is sovereign. Yeah. We were going to get through this. Yeah. Yeah. So again, you know, you point to leaning on your girlfriends. Yes. Leaning into that community because these, these are the kinds of things we can't do by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I cannot imagine walking it without our community and our village and our church. I, I just cannot. So that was at 12 weeks. Yes. And then what happened next? At 16 weeks. Well, we started seeing doctors. I had about three appointments a week. Wow. Regular OB, 
specialist, and then we saw a cardiologist after 16 weeks. So the baby had to get big enough to where we could see what might be going on. So the cystic hygroma resolved itself. So we had a lot of hope at that point. Yeah. And we knew that she had a heart defect by process of elimination. Also, I had a CVS, which is kind of like an amniocentesis. CVS, um, that was really the first thing we did after 12 weeks. And they Does it is it performed like an amniocentesis where they put a needle into the yes, and amniotic they, sac and they correct. remove some of the fluid? Yes. Okay. And they test it. So that was really done. Um gosh, I guess right after 12 weeks and they prepared us. We were researching all sorts of syndromes that we were told that this baby might have these Mm -hmm. characteristics and the genetics came back normal. Oh, wow. Wow. So that gave us another, we had just so many like hope pieces and we clung to that. And when we clung to that, we were going to carry her no matter what we were going to get through this whatever, whatever each day brought. And so we just kept having hope. We went to the pediatric cardiologist, wonderful man. I still refer folks to him to this day. And she had tautology of Fallot, which is a very common heart defect. Mm-hmm. Sean White, the Olympic mm-hmm. snowboarder has it. And one of my best girlfriends growing up that we played ball with her younger sister, who was only a year younger than us, has the same thing. And mm-hmm. she's gone so on. So it's something that you can live with. It's not something Absolutely. that has to be resolved with surgery ha- or anything. You do have to have surgery. Okay. So we met with a surgeon who said, depending on how she was when she got here, we would have surgery early on or we would wait, you know. So, but to know people that had gone on to have normal, healthy lives. And I mean, my girlfriend's sister had children, mm-hmm. has children, and she played ball with us. We never, I mean, we knew she had a heart condition, but it was never an obstacle. So we yeah. just felt like we just kept getting good news and mm-hmm. good news. The pediatric cardiologist said, you just get her here because we can fix this. Oh. So. So then, so you've got all this hope, which is wonderful, but you're still, you were still, I'm sure you were still really scared. Uh, I was a basket case. Another thing about twos are we're always worriers, most uh. usually worriers. So I worried a lot. Um, you know, I knew where to put my faith and I tried and yeah, I've, some days were better than others. Let's say that. <laughs> a lot of appointments, we never knew what to expect. We'd go in one and they would be hopeful. But then the a lot of the times they still were like, she's still very sick, which I appreciate them being honest. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to keep your mind in a realistic place to Correct. prepare you as much as they could for the Correct. worst, right? Yep. I think sometimes people get really angry with um, healthcare providers when they're giving, when they're trying, when they're doing that because they're like, you know, I want to have hope. I want to have hope. And they want you to have hope too, but they also want to prepare you for the worst because the worst might happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, so this is, so now you're at 16 weeks and you have some hope. You feel like things might resolve. Um, you can do this. They're saying they can do the surgery. And along the way, Jennifer, you started a blog. Yes. We had so many folks reaching out to us, which was just precious. And my sister was like, you need kind of a home base. I had actually blogged a little bit before during my single days. So she created it and she was like, we're just going to, that'll be our home base where people can get updates. And blogging was a big thing at that time. Yeah. And so that's where we kept all our information and our appointment updates and things like that. So two questions about the blogging. So Mm -hmm. I think that, um, number one, a lot of people are hesitant to put a lot of personal information out there, but you did it without question. Yeah. Yeah. An open book. Yeah. I love that. I think that that's a wonderful way to, 
promote healing for somebody who is open to that. And it doesn't work for every personality, right? Right. right. Yeah. But for you, for sure. And then I think the second thing that I hear from people who are going through really hard things is it becomes really tedious and difficult to, to say the same thing over and over. It does. Yeah. So there are things now like CaringBridge. Right. And I was CaringBridge around then? It was not. Okay. So for those of you who may not know what CaringBridge is. What is CaringBridge? I've never heard of that. So CaringBridge is a website that you can use if you're going through some sort of chronic illness or you're dealing with something um, like cancer. A lot of times I think it's used for cancer, right? I have two friends right now who are going through cancer treatments who are using CaringBridge to update people. So you can go on, create an account. you don't have to... Yeah, so this appointment today, exactly. you know, talking to your yeah. mom and then, you know, girlfriend calls and you're repeating the same information. Exactly. Yeah. And you can register as like a user, as mm-hmm. you know, so for me, I have these friends who are in the situation, so I've registered as a user and whenever they post something, I get an email that says they've posted something and then I can go and I can read it. And it's oh, awesome because cool. it helps me keep up with what they need and also what to pray for. And so did you use your blog that way? I did. We did. Um, definitely the appointment updates, where we were headed, where we were going. And yeah, I read it. A lot of people reached out. It was very, um, it was a, it was a great place for me to be able to write mm-hmm. and get some of what I needed to get out, out. And at the same time, keep our little village informed. Yeah. So what happened after that 16 week appointment? 16 to 20 weeks was pretty good. Again, just going to the doctor all the time. And at that point we had to not that it's far, but we had to go to Atlanta for most of our appointments. Yeah. Now, um, since you can get their specialists right here, um, we would just take all the ultrasound pictures we could. And 16 to 20 weeks was good. I would say 20 to 24 was good. 28 when we hit the hard stuff. What happened then? We went, we were in Atlanta and we were at the specialist and they were doing an, um, they had a strap on me to measure the the baby's movement. She was like, she's just not moving a lot. Um, she wanted us to go eat lunch. So we went to eat um, by Lennox and then we came back and she was moving a little bit more. So they thought that was good, but her heart rate was just going up and down and up and down. And so that was a very scary appointment. Um, but there's, that's where you're so helpless. There's nothing you can do. There's how no- long were they watching her her heart rate? Like, how long was this going we on? We were on that? there for hours. Wow. Hours. Um, but, you know, 28 weeks at that point, um, they couldn't deliver. They didn't even mention delivering. I don't know that it was if they were that alarmed. They were alarmed, but we knew she was sick. So, and then. Um, and I think 28 weeks is really early. That's is. like it on the cusp of viability. Correct. Yeah. So, um, we went home that night and that was really our night. I could not sleep. And mm-hmm. that was a really rough day for me. Mm-hmm. Jimmy was still super hopeful and trying to be positive. Um, the next morning I did not feel her move. Um, I was just convinced we had lost her and he oh. was so sweet saying, no, we haven't. I'm sure this is not it. Um, and we ended up at the hospital and that's when we knew we had lost her. Mm-hmm. And so then we went on, they, you know, once we were there, they're like, you can't leave. You're going to have to deliver. And mm-hmm. so we prayed a lot through that because they said it could be days because you're going to be forcing your body to do something that's not quite ready for. So our big prayer at that point was that labor would not be long. And it wasn't. We went in on a Saturday afternoon and we had our Sunday morning at like around eight. Did they induce or did they, they allow did. you to go in? They okay. induced. 
So um, I think this is, this is, your story is different than I remember it. You know, it's been so long and I didn't remember it exactly right. So hearing it is still so heartbreaking. And I think one of the things that people don't know is that when you lose a baby like that, you, you have to deliver the baby. Right. They can't just go in and get the baby. Right. Mm -hmm. So how did you get through that experience? Just praying constantly. We did. And I prayed that like the spirit of the Lord would be in that room. And I am here today to say it absolutely was. It wasn't easy. There were so many tears. Um, we, our whole family, sisters, parents, grandparents, everybody met her. Mm -hmm. We got to see her and, um, obviously and see what she would look like. She's the only one of our children that has Jimmy Snows. So oh. I always remember that. Um, and that was extremely painful, yeah. like extremely painful. Um, and I think there is nothing worse in the world than leaving a hospital empty handed, yeah. coming in pregnant and leaving the hospital empty handed. They roll you out the same way. They roll you out a different place, but the same way you're rolled out when you have children. Yeah. And it's just awful. And that was your first baby. That was our first baby. Yeah. Yes. Oh gosh. What was the, the, so you have children now. I do. What was the the process from going from losing your first child to having your second? Um, fearful. But I was, and every mother's different. I talked to a lot of moms that are walking this road, and everybody's different. I was thinking, okay, I've already, I'm on my second marriage. We're older. We want to have children. I've, I've, I'm ready to have a baby. So I remember talking to her doctor and she said, I'd like for you to wait a year. And I said, I cannot wait a year. She said, how, how old were you? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, let's see. I'm 40 this year. So I would have been 31 or 32. Okay. Maybe a little older. 30, 30, <laughs> um, she was seven and I'm 39. So 32. Okay. Um, I just was so anxious and yeah. she said six months and I said, uh, I can't please. And she said three months and no sooner. I said, okay. <laughs> so those 90 days, it sounds like it's nothing. They were awful. Uh, we took a trip for our first anniversary because we were like, we got to get out of here. That was super mm -hmm. healing for us. Good. We went out of the country for seven days, super healing for us. Um, and then we orchestrated a heart walk in honor of memory of our first daughter, Reese. We named her Rebecca Reese Martin. And that was in October. And I remember praying, Lord, just please, I want to be pregnant by the heart walk. Like that would just give me so much joy. And I was eight weeks pregnant. <gasps> Yay. No, we hadn't told anybody really yet, but. But you knew. I, Jimmy and I knew. Yeah. Things looked oh, good. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about, uh, you know, you're, you're doing this heart walk and you have another heartbeat in you. And, oh, gosh. Oh, my God. It was such a blessing. And then obviously very scary time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was very scary to be pregnant again, but that was super healing to me. And again, our village took care of us like nothing else after we lost Reese. Yeah. I mean, there were people that cut our grass. There were tons of food. And one of my friends gave me a book that I guess her sister-in-law or somebody had written. And she said her second baby was her healing baby. And uh -huh. I've never forgotten that because that's what it was for me. I think a lot of people call that child after loss a rainbow baby. Right. Yeah. Yep. I love that. Because it's such a beautiful promise. Yes. Yeah. So in the midst of that, you know, you, you have this, you're sort of walking both roads, right? You're still grieving, yes. but you're also, now you're filled with joy right. and happiness and, and hope again. Yes. 
Yeah. And did it feel like that? It did. They monitored us very closely. Mm -hmm. We saw a specialist when we were able to be released from this specialist. We even saw the cardiologist again. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you're great. So um, the the person that did the ultrasound the first time with Reese told me, Jennifer, you're going to go on to have healthy babies later after I'd lost her. So she knew the chances would be very slim of us going through this again, but it was still scary. I mean, we didn't think we'd hit the one in 100,000 chance before and we did. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the reverse lottery. Yes. You don't want it, but it happens. Exactly. And so how do you feel like having, so now you have now, okay. So tell us the happy ending. So uh, (laughs) we had Emory in June of 2012. So exactly 13 months after we had delivered Reese, we had Emory. And then we had James in um, 2015. Wow. So they're six and three. And they're beautiful. They're fun. Oh, they're adorable. (laughs) They're adorable. And they look just like you. Oh my goodness. I think she looks like him and he looks like me is what uh, we hear, but I don't know him very well, but I know I know you and I can see your kids in you. Well, They're beautiful. Sweet. Beautiful that's kids. Sweet. And so you're happy? Very. And now you're telling your story. Yes. And what made you decide you wanted to tell your story? Well, I'd felt the calling for a long time, but I just did not have the guts, to be honest, yeah. and the confidence to go forth. But in talking to different women that have been through divorce and have lost a, delivered and lost a child, they've just been encouragers of just share your stuff because you don't know who's reading it. And you right. don't know who you can help. And that kind of sounds cliche, but, you know, I one of the best things that happened to me was... Um, when I was pregnant with Reese, a sorority sister introduced me via email to a girlfriend that had just lost her firstborn. Oh, wow. And we still talk to this day. Oh, and wow. she's married with three little boys. Um, but she lost her first two. And I still have never met her because oh, she does wow. not live close. But I consider her a good friend. Like, I cannot wait to hug her neck. That was <laughs> super healing to meet someone that was going through the same thing. Yeah. Such a Southern thing. Hug her neck. Yeah. <laughs> It's true though, right? <laughs> so I think, you know, I think that there's so much beauty in your story. There's all this, um, all this pain, right? And that's really why I wanted to have you on because I think that, you know, when we think about life is full of struggles, right? It, we're, you're either in it, you've been in it, or you're going to be in it. Mm-hmm. Like all of us, life is, you're never going to escape this life without some pain. And it's, it's, I love that you start your story out with sort of this, um, you know, storybook life of everything was perfect and you never experienced any significant difficulties. And then, bam, all of a sudden comes these two really life-altering things that many people will never experience. But a lot of people experience either one of those, the loss of a marriage or the loss of a child, or they'll experience some other significant loss, right? right? And yet you're able to walk through it. And I watched you in the midst of, of all of, of both of these things, right? I was able to, I had like a ringside seat, not when I would have purchased, but, <laughs> but I was happy to have it because I loved watching you be so faithful and honest about how you felt and, um, and, and, and get through it. So thank you for doing that. Well, thank you. And without bitterness. Yes. You know, well, there's been easy. some bitterness along the way. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you deal with that then? Um, I'm working through that still. Yeah. That's still, um, especially on the divorce end. Yeah. That's st- just to be honest, that's still mm-hmm. yeah. a bit of a struggle. Yeah. I think that um, it's hard. You know, we've been, Dee and I have both been through divorce and it's hard to forgive. And I think it's a process for me too. So, yeah, 
One day at a time. That's right. One day at a time. <laughs> That's what I always say. Always say. So what's next for you? Tell us what's next next for you. Well, I'm going next week to the She Speaks conference put on by Proverbs 31 Ministries. So I'm excited about that. I do their devotion. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where I'll be next week. Awesome. Um, so I don't know totally what the Lord has in store. I'm just try- I'm trying so hard just to be obedient and and figure out what that might be. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, I think that you are bound and destined for a book. I've said that since the beginning. I think that you're you're you have a book in you, and most of us, I think, have a book in us. Right. I <laughs> if agree. we take the time to write it, and you know, I love that. Um, you know, there's a Romans. What is it? Rome, Romans eight twenty eight. Right. It's that promise that there's nothing that we go through that God won't use, and I think that He's going to use. He is using, and will continue to use all of these pains that you've been through in order to bless others and comfort others. And he's already been doing it. Yeah. And I feel like he, I've told some girlfriends that are like, I can't get through this. I can't do this. And I'm like, he does not love me any more than he loves you to give you the same promises and the same redemption story and the same beauty from a heap of ashes. Yeah. We're all, all the same. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up. Absolutely. I think that that's beautiful and um, can't wait to see what God continues to do in your life and through you. And thank you so much for coming and being well, on the show. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. And we'll put some resources on the show, as we've mentioned already, on the show notes um, on the on the website that accompanies this. And, um, and that'll be an encouragement to people as well. So if you want to continue to be encouraged, that's where you'll find that information. And I would say that... Um, As we close the show today, we have a one question that we always close the show with, that we always ask, and that is, what are you going to do to be healthier today? What are you going to do, Dee? I am going to go out on the trail for the first time in like three weeks. Oh, Um, my goodness. I feel like I have not been outside, (laughs) and I just, I really want to go and take a very long walk. It's been so hot that I haven't been able to skate or anything like that, but I'm just going to go out on the trail and just Good for you. Good for you. I feel the same way. I have definitely struggled to spend time outside because it's been like 150 degrees (laughs) (laughs) with the humidity of of like 120%. (laughs) It's been so hot and sticky here. And I love the hot, as we've talked about in the past, but it's been too hot for me. Been too hot for me. What about you, Jennifer? I'm going to take an Orange Theory class this afternoon. Oh, good for you. I'm an Orange Theory theory girl. Are you? Have you done it before? You've said yes. yes, Yeah. I've never done that. I'll have to check it it out. Oh, you would love it. Would I? It is is a workout, but you don't really feel like you're working out because you're like competing. It's like, oh, wait a minute. You're not going to outrun me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I felt it the next day. I was like, oh, my God. Every muscle is sore. It's awesome. Uh, I love that. That's awesome. I think for me um, today, I'm going to, I've been like really feeling the need to stretch myself, you know, like physically stretch myself. I feel really tight. I think I've had a lot of travel over the last three weeks Mm. and that's meant a lot of time sitting in airplanes and in cars and in airports. And I feel it. Conference rooms probably. And conference (laughs) rooms. Yeah. And I just, I feel like I need to stretch. So I'm going to do some yoga today. And I think that by Monday, I'm going to be in a yoga class because I'm like, okay, I have to do this for myself. Do you typically take a yoga class? I, or I don't. It it's home? been years mm. since I've taken a class. Like really, since my son's going to be five next month and it's been years. So I'm going to do that. So that's my thing is I'm going to get myself back into a class. I'm committed. Awesome. Yeah. I'm saying it right now. <laughs> Accountability. 
Well, awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us, Jennifer. And thank thanks you. to all of our listeners for taking the time to listen to this show about life after loss and how much joy can come after even the most difficult of things. So if you um, want to give us some ideas for the show, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can do that on social media. You can do that by email. You can send an email to southernfriedgirlfriends at gmail.com. Let us know what things you want to hear about, what you think of the show. Make sure you rate the show and um, give a comment, share it with a friend. Thanks so much again. Have a great day. Bye, y'all.